Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by the National Pork Board. Farm Credit Services of America, Johnsonville Foods, High Pork Genetics, Minitube, Brenneman Pork, PIC North America, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, and PigEquipment.com. Brought to you by American Resources. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. I'm Matthew Rode, your host, and today I'm joined by John Nickel of Border Genetics out of Manitoba. How are you doing today, John? I'm good. Excited to talk with you on the podcast. Uh, John here is very, very interesting. He's a very smart guy with a lot of great ideas, and he's been very involved in the Canadian pork industry. And so I've wanted him to be on this for quite some time. So I'm excited to have you on, John. Uh, Would you mind starting just by telling us who you are, what you do, what your operations look like? All right, Matt. I I don't think of myself... uh, that exciting really but uh i've had <laughs> i've had uh, i've had i've had like the luck i guess of, of of having had a you know kind of an interesting path i guess in the in the pig business um starting starting out as as a worker in a hog barn back in the dating myself now uh this would be back in this 70s and uh Owning, owning my first hog farm, a 200 sow farrow to finish back in 86. And um, got hooked up with, with uh, in those days we called them integrators. I'm not sure what they're called these days, but uh, uh, feed mill farming company that, uh, you know, we started building the, the larger units in the mid-90s. Started off with a 2,000 sow and, yeah, kind of did that, was involved with that company. Um up to about 2000 or so. And then, uh, since 01 doing what I do today, which is, uh, is, uh, we run about 5,800 sows, feral isoween and, uh, export isoween to the U S. Were you born into the swine industry? What did that look like early on? How did you get involved with pigs? You know, I, I grew up on a small mixed farm. My dad actually worked off farm for for most of his life um you know kind of just before his retirement years he he did farm full time as it was never a large farm just a small farm small mixed farm and i was the i was the guy that that took care of the pigs at home and uh my my the rest my other siblings did the did the cows which i didn't mind i've never i always say i don't like cows other than eating them i like steak but uh (laughs) <laughs> not, a, not, a, not really very not a big fan of taking care of cows so that's kind of how i i guess probably how i kind of fell into that role well do you have any horror stories working with the cows or what <laughs> no can't say can't really say i just uh i just i'm quite biased i guess i just think pigs are significantly smarter than cows are and uh i don't know they just uh cows are Cows are really big and uh, difficult to, to, well, I guess technology has changed and 
fencing and corral systems and whatnot, but that's 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 all there today. So the animal the handling part of it is is much improved from when I grew up. When I grew up, it was just like a wild wild west rodeo. Whenever we were trying to corral cattle, that was uh, was out. Funny story. I I did take care of a small cattle herd for my brother in laws back in would have been mid eighties, I guess, for for one year and and. And, uh, you know, I think, I think I spent most of that year looking for cattle that had escaped. I actually remember going up <laughs> in a small airplane looking for a, a, a small a bunch of yearlings that had, that had gotten out. Yeah, it, it's so, yeah, maybe that's why I'm not crazy about cows. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any good stories of, any fun stories of working with pigs when you were growing up? Uh, not really. I mean, we, it was, we, we, you know, we never really had a lot, probably thinking back, most likely, you know, we probably farrowed a few sows here and there, most likely for butchering in those good old days we used to, you know, butcher, butcher on the farm. Right. So, so not, not really, um, lots of fun stories later on, but, uh, <laughs> not so much at home. So what got you into the ownership or work to working instead of living in it as a, as a kind of a family household chore? Uh, when did that next step happen? Well, I, I, I actually was, was, uh, asked to, to, to come work on a farm. Um, when I started out, um, the manager knew my dad and, and, uh, he asked my dad about, I don't remember. I mean, we're going way back now, but exactly how I ended up working at that farm. But I did, and uh, for 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 its in its day, it was actually way back then already. It was the late seventies, and it was actually quite a large farm for for those days. I think I believe it was something like a nine hundred south farm, which in those days would have been probably quite a large farm. Yeah, that's pretty big. Yeah, I mean, everything was. Uh, we didn't have things like AI back then or, you know, not a lot of automation at all. Actually, none that I can think of off the top of my head. I remember hauling a lot of a lot of feed and filling a lot of nursery feeders by hand. So, um, yeah, I think the only automation we had was a pressure washer that I could really think of back then. And what was the next step that came after that? Yeah, I guess, like I said, I... I um, I bought my first farm in the mid eighties. It was a empty farm, I guess, got into financial trouble. It was, uh, in a, in a non-traditional pig area here in Manitoba that most of the pigs are in, in Southeast, South Central, and I guess more some in Western, in the Western part of the province as well now. But, uh, this, this farm particular farm was in what we call the interlake region, North of Winnipeg. So kind of bush country up in the, up in the, traditional cattle country, actually beef cattle country. And, uh, it was an opportunity to buy this farm, which was in distress, financial distress, uh, for a really good, it was a really good price at that time. And, uh, well, would be today as well, believe me, but, uh, yeah, started out there 200 cells for to finish, um, had an opportunity to get involved with, uh, with a company called Puritone, which is no longer around. They, they met their demise in 2012, but uh, they had programs where they, they bought, uh, you know, they worked with producers. Uh, those days it was feral 50 pounds. And so we expanded to 500 sows and then 
And then along came three site production. So then it switched to, to isoene. So we expanded it to a thousand sow isoene and, and then, uh, and then got involved, uh, with them on managing and, uh, the larger units. Once we started building those in the mid nineties, um, like I said, the first, first large farm we built was a 2000 sow farm and, uh, also in an untraditional kind of area that, and people were not, uh, not crazy about having, um, lar large hog barns being built. And, uh, so that, that first farm was uh, quite an adventure when we built it. We, we kind of got, you could say, we could say we kind of got shot at, we go, we had equipment shot up. We had, as a matter of fact, that the barn, the barn, uh, burned the day before I was supposed to bring my first load of, uh, I was doing a offsite breeding project. Oh no. Hey, before I was supposed to bring my first due to feral gilts home that the gestation barn burned. And I mean, I say it was arson it was never proven, but we had, we had some neighbors there that really, really, really didn't like us. And, uh, so, but yeah, so that was a heck of an adventure. That's so what did you do when the barn burned down? <laughs> well, the, the, uh, we had the, the general contractor uh, managed to, to get a couple of farrowing rooms up and running uh, within, it was within weeks. And they had already started building the nursery shell and the nursery, some of the nursery concrete pits had been poured. So I used the nursery pits as dry cell, big group dry cell pens for pregnant gilts. Uh, made a, quickly made a built a cafeteria style feeding area and and uh every day in the morning went and tried to try and i had no breeding dates for these these gilts at that time that's another story the pre-breed project but it worked out pretty well went every morning and tried to try to find the sows that we thought would feral or or bring in the ones that that had already farrowed and it was straw based actually and and uh you know, we got through it. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. There was, uh, 40, 50, uh, construction guys on site, electricians, carpenters, you name it, concrete guys, equipment installers. And, and I, I was always amazed that, that there, there was, there was tense moments, but I, I personally never witnessed a fist fight. And there's certainly, I mean, everybody was in everybody else's way. And, and I was trying to do pigs in the midst of that with, I might add with brand new people that, uh, you know, I had to hire, hire new, I already had hired people, uh, to, 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 you know, for staff. And in the midst of this, we were doing pigs and yeah, it was, it was crazy. Somebody told me I had to do it again. I would, I would just refuse. It was, <laughs> it was nuts. My guess is you're probably one of the few people in the world who's furrowed sows in a pit. <laughs> in a nursery pit yeah so <laughs> it was actually pretty cool that actually worked out it was you know what it actually worked out uh it worked out you know it was yeah you came in in the morning and there's just a, a gilt with the litter and the straw and it, it it wasn't a disaster by any means it was uh you know i i'm sure we weren't weaning 12 pigs but but it was not a disaster no that's cool so where what, what year was that again in that would have been 95, 1995. Yeah. So how did the rest of the nineties go? Uh, how were the end of the nineties for you? And what were the early two thousands like? 
Well, I mean, I mean, the mid '90s were were amazing, which is why why all these barns were getting built as quickly as we could. Um, I mean, we we, we the investors in uh, these were typically investor barns, joint ventures with with uh, Puritone, like the the feed mill company, and uh, I mean. Yeah, the first the first barn, the one that I we were talking about here, that was a bit of a disaster startup or an interesting startup. I mean, investors got their money back within two years, and they you know, so of course everybody wanted to build more barns. But then along came in 1998, the last one that I was involved with building with that company was 97. We built it in 97, and along came 1998, and that kind of uh, kind of took the. Uh, the uh, fun out of it, if you will, and then uh, and you, I learned I learned what the word cash call means, and uh, you know those uh, types of nasty meetings that, uh, were not fun times. But you know we got through it, and uh, yeah, I guess. And then in early two thousands, I had an opportunity to to buy into the the farm where I am today, um, and I've kind of done that. It started out as a about a 3,200 cell operation, and and we, we bought another farm in 06 and added added more cells. So today, today we're running, like I said, about 5,800 cells, and uh, have about a team of about 20 people, give or take, and uh, yeah, just trying our best to put out a quality pig every day and uh, work 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 with our U.S. finisher. Um, and uh, do the best we can to give give them a good pig, a good start, and uh, yeah, it's it's had its ups and ups and downs. Anybody that's in this isoween game, as we call it, exporting to the U.S., it's uh, in crazy times. Twenty twelve comes to mind. Twenty twelve was brutal. Three dollar isoweens, that kind of stuff. Actually, 08 was also like that. Come think of it, twenty twelve. What was the hardest year? 2012 the i don't know maybe doesn't maybe i shouldn't even mention it but the u.s the the canadian i mean i think most of us know that that canada exports you know literally three-quarter of the uh, production somewhere else outside of canada and uh, manitoba is is produces a lot of ice wings maybe less today exports a lot of ice wings maybe less today than what what they used to I don't know the exact stats, but uh, you know it, it's uh, the export. Canada, Canada's pig industry, the export is is very sensitive to exchange rates, right? So, so 2012, uh, the U.S. dollar and the Canadian dollar were actually, if I'm not mistaken, even inverted for a, for a, a short period of time. Oh well. At, at par for sure in that neighborhood of par and and uh so the canadian pig industry i i i shouldn't say this but i mean i doubt that the canadian pig industry would survive at a par dollar um we need we need uh we need just like the u.s i i kind of think the u.s is starting to learn that too or it is already has already when they export elsewhere in the world the the value of the u.s dollar against uh, other currencies in other countries that they are exporting to uh, becomes a big a big deal right so if you're trying to move commodity product into into another market 
FX is a big deal. What are some of your most fond memories uh, or stories that you've had in your journey from the 70s to today? You know, I, I, honestly, I would have to say it's 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 probably uh, people along the way. Um, there's so many amazing people in this industry all all around the world. As I'm, I'm you know, as as I'm sure you are experiencing now, as you're meeting people all over the world in this business, uh, so many great people in this business. Um, I have met so many great people um and keep meeting more uh interesting um and amazing people in this business it, it you have really... any fun stories uh about some of the people you've interacted with in your career oh man <laughs> well um n- n- not without going into big detail um i i got to do a little consulting trip to kazakhstan Oh, I was wow. there twice, actually, um, on behalf of the, I went with some other people, some other uh, industry people, uh, like engineers and whatnot. And, uh, and so met, met um, people there that were, that were uh, trying to maybe resurrect is the right word or, or build on um, like Russian, uh, era soviet era barns um just really interesting people um these people were uh second generation probably like their 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 fathers would have kind of been i don't know what the process was um handed if for lack of a better term handed these farms these businesses when the soviets left or whatever they did um and so these were the next generation and um yeah so it was really interesting to 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 talk to them and meet with them and but so difficult to get anything done in that country so difficult you know we think it's difficult here with with red tape and government interference and whatnot but but uh yeah Really, so yeah, I keep in I keep in contact with some people I met over there occasionally, and uh, I'd love to go back someday. Maybe not right now, but but uh, it's a bit too much conflict going on, and yeah, kind of in that general area. So, but uh, yeah, really interesting people. What do you have any uh, stories about things that were unexpected? Or that you look back on and you're like, I, I honestly, I can't believe that happened outside of obviously burrowing sows and pits. Were there any just other funny things that just happened? There probably is. There probably is. It's it's always interesting how how, how um, things kind of sometimes just fall into place, um, come out of nowhere when you when you when you need it and at least expect it, but. Off the top of my head, not I can't really think of anything just now. Did you do any work with the Canadian Port Board or, or any groups within Canada through your career? Um, I'm involved locally with with Manitoba Pork, so our provincial association. I've been involved with 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 them and various um, 
positions over many years. Um, as of late, I'm on the board of directors. I'm the newbie on the board of directors. So, you know, um, what are you looking forward to most in that role? Um, you know, it's it, again, it's 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 networking people. I mean, obviously, I I hope to contribute a little bit um, to the industry in in any way I can. But again, it's it's uh, you, you, it, it's just another avenue. It's another avenue to meet more people, make more connections, open doors. It's it's really interesting. Where do you where do you stand today and your thoughts on where the industry is and then where where do you think it's going? Um I mean this can be in regards to production or consumption or just overall markets. What are your thoughts? Well, we I think most of us in 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 this industry are 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 really wondering why why we cannot get an increase in consumption. And so I'm sure there's various debates going on out there as to why that is. I mean, why can we not get more market share from beef, let's say, um, gosh, beef is, is, uh, you know, super expensive product and pork generally speaking is, is a really good value. Anytime I look at anything on the shelf. And so it's, it's puzzling, at least to me, why, why we, we, you know, what do we need to change? And that's, I guess that's, there's a whole lot of opinions out there. What, what maybe we do need to change, but it's really interesting. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when we talked about getting rid of bellies and now, now it's probably one of the most expensive, if the, not the most expensive product on the shelf. So you know, very interesting to see how things change over time. Um, in the end, the consumer um, tells us what they want. And sometimes maybe we're not listening closely enough. And of course, it's not easy to change. I mean, the, the value that the supply chain is, is it's, it's so integrated and, and it's not that I know that much about how it operates, but I mean, it's not easy. Yeah, I, I I sometimes wonder, and I'm sure individuals have way more data on this, but it feels like the millennials and Gen Z just have too much money, and I don't I don't think they they care as much about the price as much as they do the flavor or the experience. And sometimes when I talk to people I know and I ask them like, "Do you buy pork because of price?" None of them do. They buy pork for the purpose it's going to serve on the plate, right? And that a lot of times don't even look at the price. Yeah, I mean, I, I need pork for this. I'll buy pork for this. I need beef for this. I'll buy beef for this. It's, I think they spend a higher percentage of their income on food, and and maybe it's because not as many own houses, and so maybe they're, maybe not accruing that wealth, but they're, they're having lower monthly costs because of because of the, I don't, I don't know. But it, when I talk to millennials, they're not buying pork because it's cheap. Other demographics that are, are that are price shopping, right? And yeah. So, yeah, it's it's the 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 one constant in this business, as in probably all businesses, is change, and 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 it it it's maybe it's because I'm, you know, uh, 
significantly older than you are, but but to me, it just feels like there's there's a lot of change on the horizon, and and with probably within a fairly short period of time. Yeah. Well, even just all the stuff that happens with streaming now. I mean, Netflix just released a special that focused on a health study where they took twins, fed one twin an omnivore diet, fed another twin a vegan diet, and their argument was that uh, twins are the perfect study because they're they're alike in almost every way. And uh, the people running it were Stanford and bay area vegan startups so bay area scientists and bay area vegan startups ran this study and then got netflix to fund it so now everyone's watching how a vegan diet is supposedly more healthy for you than an animal diet and then they had a four episode series and so what they did was they used filler on this episode during the story to talk about how unsustainable agriculture is and how alternative foods are going to be the future of sustainability and just all this crap where most of it is just being spoon-fed. And that I think that's going to drive a lot of change really fast, and I just don't feel like we have a lot of media or medium in that space. And that's what people are consuming so fast, and it's changing behavior so fast. It is really difficult to to connect with as many people as we need to. I mean, granted, there's there's things like social social media and whatnot, but I mean, attending uh, farm fairs and 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 public events, you know, yeah, it, I'm sure it, it it everything helps, and we have to keep trying. But we we have we have a really big challenge ahead of us, in front of us, to to tell our story. And as far as sustainability, I mean, you think about the resources we use today um, versus what we used, whatever, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and and the amount of food we produce, we are literally using less resources today, especially if you want to talk about grain. I mean, our feed conversion ratios and and the amount of, of pork we produce with the same inputs today versus i mean i'm old enough to remember when we got awards for doing 20 pigs per sow per year so, <laughs> right you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't i mean you wouldn't be in business today with 20 pigs per sow per year well maybe you would i don't know yeah, i think some people I, I know i out. wouldn't be so <laughs> so you know um today we're doing one and a half today you know 30 and and lots of farms 30 plus like there's amazing, amazing efficiencies that we we've come such a long way, and sure we have we have um, lots of things we we still need to work on, and we are, but uh, uh, yeah, it's we 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 do have a challenge to to tell our story. It is interesting as we've uh, met with a lot of producers a lot of producers and talk to them about where they're at and and the history of their production. It's almost seemed like there's a trend where um, some of the highest producing farms 10, 15 years ago um, that were hitting 32, 33 PSY, right? They're clearly kicking butt, uh, got complacent and then, then stopped focusing on improvement because they were at the top. And now today they feel like they're behind. 
feel like there's this never ending battle on figuring out. Or I mean, it almost feels like being the 10th percent or the 90th percentile is better than being the 98th percentile. It feels like that 90th percentile has always been focused on that North star, but, uh, being the best in some ways can create complacency. And, and then you, next thing you know, you're behind everything moves so fast, but yet so well, slow all at the same time. Who, who do you benchmark? If you're using benchmarking as, as a challenge to yourself and your teams, who do you benchmark against when you're at the top? Right. Right. So, so I, I, maybe, maybe, maybe I don't have that problem. I'm still trying to get everything <laughs> the 90th percentile. So, so, and, and we're, we are getting there. We are getting there. The tools that we have at our disposal these days are just amazing. Just amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's really interesting times. What does the future for you and your operations look like? What do you, what are you seeing on the horizon? That is, that is a, that is a very good question. Um, at my age, I have to think about, uh, I have to think about, you know, I, I, I love working and uh, love going to the farms and I love running the business. It's, it's a lot more fun when you, when you're making money, of course, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's not fun when you're just paying the bills or, or less, of course, but, uh, you know, when things are going well, it's fun. And, uh, I get to work with really good people. We have a lot of really good people on our teams. So yeah, we're, what I, I really, I can't really answer that question. It's, we're working on it. It's a work in progress. Where, where will I be in five, 10 years? I don't know. How do you think through that? I, would you mind sharing kind of your thought process or philosophy on how you do think about that? And, uh, and you look at the, the future of the operations, is that something where you just keep going and going and going until you feel like it's time to stop or is well, succession? Do you look for someone that would be a good successor or do you really care? How do you think through that? Well, I care because I mean, I, I spent 20 plus years building this, building this farm up and it would be a, a shame. And it's still, you know, we granted we have older facilities and that, that can certainly use and we'll have to have updating, uh, in the next five years. But, uh, I would hate to, I would hate to see it closed down. You know, I would hate to see our teams go elsewhere. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I, um, I don't really have a target age or that, that, that I have in mind to, to stop you know, doing what I'm doing today. I like to think as long as I can contribute to, to the business, to the industry, I'd like to keep going. And, uh, I was lucky enough to have some really good mentors when I was starting out and, uh, you know, who were we some of those mentors? Um, people like, like the founder of, of that company, Pure Tone, you know, people like, like, uh, like that Johnny Kozlowski was his name. He's, uh, no longer with us, but you know, the guy, the guy had, had, um, uh, with another partner had built that business from scratch through it. Um, very, 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 uh, you know, he, he, he would let me come into his office and present ideas, kind of like little mini business plans when I was managing farms for them and, uh, you know, kind of help me understand how things could be done better or, you know, help me 
kind of work through issues. Um, yeah, it was really good. He was like the CEO of this, which would have been considered a fairly large company at that time, but kind of had an open door policy and, uh, I didn't have to make an appointment or anything. I could basically just show up at the head office and walk in and sit down and chat with him. So, you know, um, you don't, you don't forget people like that. What words of advice would you have for individuals that are just getting into the industry and people even thinking about maybe even buying into it? Um, <laughs> well, I, I suppose it's like any business. It's, it's, uh, I, you, 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 it, it's going to be uh, a lot more fun if you have a passion for it. Um, and, um, uh, you know, learn from other people. There's, uh, there's many people out there that are smarter than, than, well, certainly me. Um, and, and a lot of them are very willing to share their knowledge. And so take full advantage of that. I've, I've learned so much from, from other people and still, still, you know, every day, every week, there's something to be learned from, from someone else. So I have a few rapid fire questions for you that are, that are kind of fun. <laughs> First one is, uh, what is the sports team that you root for? And are you a diehard fan or a casual fan? Oh man. You know, I used to be, when I was a kid, I was, I was, I was like, I mean, I'm Canadian, so I have to, I have to like hockey. Right. And I, and I did, I, I lived and breathed it as a kid, you know, on the, on the pond back on the farm. And, um, you know, I knew all the players' names and, and stats and all that kind of stuff. And, but I, I don't know why I've kind of, I've kind of just lost interest in sure. I go to the odd Winnipeg Jets game. And so, yeah, I'll root for the Winnipeg Jets NHL hockey team. But, uh, but, uh, do I watch every game on TV or go to a lot of games? No. Um, but, do you remember uh, your favorite player? <laughs> uh, well, they had uh, what was his name? He's no longer on the team. I, I like he was like the enforcer. What is is it? Uh, Domi? Does that sound right? I have no idea. Okay, yeah, he was he was like <laughs> a freight train on skates, and just watching the guy just 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 like people just bounced off of him literally. Like he, you know, it was just and just the the grin on his face when he's doing this, it, it's just fun to watch really. It's not that I'm into violence or anything, but, but, uh, it was, just, <laughs> you just don't want to be hit by a person like that. Right. You're, you're the guy holding the beer beating on the, on the window, right? Yelling, yeah. beat him up, right? <laughs> what did they say? I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out or something yeah. like that. <laughs> so if you had to sing karaoke, let's say at BAMP, we, we made you get up and sing karaoke. Oh, what, uh, what's your go-to song? Oh man, number one, you like like a lot of your guests say you don't want to hear me sing unless yeah. <laughs> he's had too much to drink or something. But uh, but uh, gosh, uh, I don't I don't think I have a song per se. It's uh, have you have you ever heard about in Manitoba a Manitoba social? Do you know what that is? No, no. So in Manitoba, I think it's still a tradition. I mean, I I haven't been to one recently, so. It's called a social. It's basically you, you rent a hall or a venue, you get a liquor license from the powers that be uh, to sell booze. Um, you get a band to have a dance or have, you know, music, music man or whatever. And you, you sell tickets. It's actually a lot of people do this for fundraising for their wedding. 
you sell tickets, you get uh, you get prizes donated for uh, for um, what do you call those auctions where you put tickets in the bag or whatever. Oh yeah, like a silent auction. Yeah, and and you raise money, right? Oh, and wow. and and so. And then at a certain time in the evening, usually pretty late, uh, what do they serve? The tr- traditional, I think it's rye bread, kubasa, um, I, you know, just basic stuff. And uh, yeah, that's a Manitoba social. And, 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 the, and the play, actually Google it. You should Google this. There's, there's like a playlist, all the standard songs. <laughs> and, and so the song at the end of the night when, when it's, uh, you know, they're trying to get the people out the door is is um the heck is the name of that song it's about who do you want to take home the heck is the name of that song again it escapes me at the moment but that's yeah i'm not sure that's the last song played (laughs) yeah i went to a serbian wedding they had 600 people there only 100 were allowed to be invited by the bride and groom the other 500 were like family friends or, or extended family i kid you not but they played polka for like six hours Oh and I will tell you, I don't know if I ever want to go back to a wedding if they're going to play polka for six hours. That's too much. <laughs> it's too much. At a Manitoba social, you'll you'll hear you'll hear a lot of lot of the same same tunes, and it'll be like it'll be it'll be music you know, because if 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 the DJ doesn't play the right music, like uh, people leave people leave or 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 maybe things start flying in his his or her direction right so, so yeah. and the dance floor is really sticky by the end of the night like really really sticky as i recall the ones yep. that i yeah my wife and i were asked to MC a wedding a few weeks ago which was interesting and uh it was for a cousin and uh it was funny we were playing like the when they bride and groom came in they had them playing the bulls walk in music and it was fairly dramatic, and then we got every guest to lift their chair above their head, and yeah, ooh, 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 ooh. it was it was pretty funny. They thought it was awesome. That was a unique experience. But what uh, what is what is the top of your bucket list for travel? Oh man, um, we my partner and I were in, and we did a whirlwind uh, through Ireland, Scotland, uh, Wales. We ended up back in London. I've been in London a number of times, and I always say I've had enough of London for now. Uh, but uh, I would go back to Ireland in a in a heartbeat and really like spend some serious time there. Drink some Guinness. Yeah, and just explore like that all that history, right? It's, yeah, it's uh, a cool place. Yeah, and um, then so my the, my last question here would be if you could grab a beer with any historical or current figure in society, who would that be? Oh wow! Well, I I when I was in school, I always say I I wish like a, like uh, you know I didn't care for actually I didn't care for school a lot period, but uh, you know especially not history you know boring subject like history but maybe it's maybe it's as you get older you get more interested in history or whatever but I I am so I think it would be really interesting to 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 um sit down with with some of the founders of our, our countries, you know, the first prime ministers in Canada, you know, presidents of the US, you know, like, uh, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it John A. McDonald who was around when, when you know, they pushed through the rail, railroad in Western Canada mm. through the Rockies and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, the pioneers, the people that, 
that did all the hard work so the rest of us wouldn't have to. That'd be cool. It would be really interesting. Well, I appreciate you coming on and being a guest on the Popular Pig Podcast. It's been a real pleasure, John. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.